I've just been advised that we have new videotape of uh, the episode that apparently ended, we think ended, the uh, move situation tonight, the dropping of an incendiary device. And let's take a careful look at this 5.27 p.m. State police helicopter drops it. There is the explosion. As you can see, a very dramatic explosion that occurs 30 seconds and really rips into the move compound. There you see the bunker, which soon will go up in flames. And that was the explosion close up. Now, if there's anybody there standing there, it's obvious they couldn't survive that explosion. 36 years ago this past week, the city of Philadelphia launched a brutal and incredibly violent siege on a row home at 6221 Osage Avenue, a primarily black neighborhood in the west of the city. Their goal was to slaughter the members of MOVE, a back-to-nature black liberation group that the city had officially declared terrorists. 500 police officers surrounded the house and fired 10,000 bullets at the people inside, before taking to the skies and dropping two bombs on the roof of the building. The police ordered the fire department to let the house burn while they shot at anyone trying to escape, driving them back into the fire. The explosion and ensuing inferno killed 11 people, including five children. Only two of the 13 people in the house survived. The fire continued to rage out of control, and by the time firefighters were ordered to douse the blaze, it had already destroyed 65 homes and left 250 people homeless. Today, I want to talk about the events that led up to the MOVE bombing and the way in which it has disappeared from the American memory. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Ellis Tucci, this is Hidden History, and you're listening to episode 110, May 13th, 1985. Hidden History is always available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and www.hiddenhistory.show. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider subscribing or sharing with a friend. I want to take this moment to let you know about a change that's coming to the show. From now on, I'll be switching to an every-other-week release schedule. I plan on doing this show for years to come, and so if I'm to accomplish that goal, then I need to transition to a schedule that I can sustain for a long time. So, with that out of the way, let's get on to the show. MOVE, written in capital letters but not being an acronym, was and is a black liberation group that combined revolutionary teaching, animal rights, and a return to pre-industrial nature. It was founded by John Africa in 1972. Born Vincent Leapart in 1931, Africa changed his name in 1972 to pay homage to the continent where human life began. Like him, all members of MOVE would change their last names to Africa. Though his wife Dorothy gave him lessons in reading and writing, Africa, who had dropped out of school at an early age, didn't have the ability to capture the thoughts he had in his head. It was only after he met Donald Glassy, a social worker at the University of Pennsylvania, that his thoughts were transcribed. The resulting book, called The Guidelines, came to be the foundational text of the Christian movement for life, later MOVE, that was started the same year. 
Their highly visible activism, growing numbers, and protests against police brutality immediately drew the attention of the repressive mayor of Philadelphia, Frank Rizzo, a former police commissioner who encouraged a vicious culture of police brutality at the Philadelphia Police Department, a trend that continued into his eight-year mayoral administration. MOVE was placed under heavy surveillance and consistently targeted by the PPD. From 1972 to 1978, the police would arrest members of MOVE 193 times. The first standoff between MOVE and the Philadelphia police came on August 8, 1978, at the MOVE house in the West Philadelphia neighborhood of Powelton Village. The previous year, MOVE had brokered a deal with the city. They would leave the house and surrender their weapons if the city released certain MOVE members from jail. Philadelphia released them, and MOVE surrendered their weapons, the majority of which were non-functional, but they did not leave the house. A year later, on August 8th, the Philadelphia Police Department resolved to move them by force. The police made attempts to enter the house but were unsuccessful in locating the members of MOVE who were hiding in the basement. As tensions grew higher, an unknown member of MOVE fired shots from the basement window. The police soon began firing hundreds of rounds at the house, using bulldozers and boom trucks to break down the walls. During the shootout, police officer James Ramp was shot and killed. The police and the city claimed it was Move and charged them collectively with his murder. Move, as well as eyewitnesses at the scene, claimed the police fired the fatal shot. Eventually, the PPD brought in fire hoses and flooded the basement where they were hiding, ultimately succeeding in forcing them out. The Move 9, as they were thereafter known, were then arrested. Before taking him away from the scene, the Philadelphia police took Delbert Africa behind a truck and brutally beat him, which was captured on film by a reporter from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Each of the Move 9 was sentenced to 100 years in prison. Chuck Sims Africa and Phil Africa died in prison. The rest are now on parole, the first instance of which was granted in 2018, after 33 years. Three years later, in 1981, Move secured a new house at 6221 Osage Avenue, where they lived for four years until their next and last standoff. In 1985, the police decided that they wanted to take out MOVE for good. In preparation, Police Commissioner Gregor Sambor and Mayor Wilson Good collaborated to declare MOVE a terrorist organization. The police then obtained scores of warrants on a wide array of charges for everyone in the house and moved in for a confrontation. They evacuated all residents from the 6200 block of Osage, reassuring them that they could return in 24 hours. After that, the city cut off power and water in the opening play of their siege. Commissioner Sam Bohr then gave a speech. Attention move. This is America. You have to abide by the laws and rules of the United States, he began. Soon after, the PPD began to flood the house with tear gas. In response, MOVE members fired pot shots at the police, who then, over the course of 90 minutes, shot 10,000 rounds at the house. That's about two per second. They shot so much that they had to send out to police headquarters to get more ammo. 
Both the tear gas and the hail of bullets failed to dislodge the members of MOVE. The police then decided to execute their plan B. Two officers got into a state police helicopter, and Lieutenant Frank Powell dropped a satchel on the building's roof. It was filled with C4, a plastic explosive, and Tovex, a gelled dynamite substitute. 45 seconds later, the explosion came. Witnesses say it shook the neighborhood. One said it felt like a gas main exploded. The goal of the bomb was to destroy or ignite a small fortified lookout post on the roof, which it did not do. The bunker was fully intact. Instead, the explosion ignited a canister of gas, and soon the entire roof had been consumed by flames. Police Commissioner Sambor coordinated with Fire Commissioner William Richmond. They would let the fire burn. Despite the fact that hours earlier they had used fire hoses in an attempt to flood move out of the basement, they now refused to use them to douse the flames. As the house began to fill with smoke, members of MOVE eventually realized that the building was on fire. They immediately attempted to evacuate, rushing out of the basement into the back alley. They were met with scores of police with automatic weapons who opened fire, forcing MOVE back into the burning building. The only people to successfully escape were Ramona Africa and a child, Birdie Africa, now known as Michael Moses Ward. They were immediately arrested. Ramona was charged with a riot and conspiracy and sentenced to seven years in prison. The rest of MOVE, including John Africa, five other adults, and five children, died in the fire. After an hour, the fire was an out-of-control inferno. Not only had it incinerated the MOVE house, but it had spread to the roofs of neighboring houses and jumped across alleys and streets. It was at this point, after the fire had been used to murder the members of MOVE, that the fire department began to fight the blaze. By the time it was out the next morning, it had burned down over a city block. Nobody in the government faced any charges for the MOVE bombing. Mayor Wilson Good said in a press conference afterwards that if he had to do it again, he would. Police Commissioner Gregor Sambor resigned six months later and now lives in a quiet neighborhood with his wife. Fire Commissioner William Richmond continued to lead the department until 1988, where after he retired and led a peaceful life until his death in 2018. Wilson Good is now a Baptist minister at a church in South Philadelphia. The dignity afforded to these criminals late in their lives has not also been afforded to the victims of the MOVE bombing. In April of this year, it was discovered that professors at the University of Pennsylvania had kept the remains of the children killed in the bombing in a cardboard box in their lab. They'd used it for online teaching sessions. Last week, it was discovered that four years ago, the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office incinerated the remains of the victims and disposed of their ashes without informing their next of kin. In 1986, the MOVE Commission, which only had the power to make recommendations, released its report. 
It found that there had been criminal action on the part of the city and recommended that charges be brought against all those involved. Of course, none of those things happened. The whole thing was decided by grand jury, which freed the government from any wrongdoing. They decided that the members of MOVE were not forced back into the house by police gunfire because the police had said that they had not been shooting. Instead, the members of MOVE supposedly went back into the house so that they could commit suicide in order to make the Philadelphia police look bad. The impact that the MOVE bombing has had on the legacy of American policing is very difficult to understate. The extreme police violence that we see around us today was enabled by the lack of accountability surrounding the events of May 13th, 1985. The fact that a city bombed its own people and got away with it laid the foundation for the intense brutality that we see from the police on a daily basis. In the intervening 36 years, police departments have only learned that they can get away with more and more, responding with excessive and increasingly militarized force whenever they are rightfully protested. It's my hope that through understanding our history, we can have a much firmer understanding of our present and be much more hopeful for our future. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you liked this week's episode or found it interesting, then I'd love it if you subscribed or shared with a friend. If you'd like to do some further reading, all of my sources are in the description. Thanks again. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.